First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 665 of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast, and I have got an absolute American hero joining me on the podcast today. Chris Paranto will be here with me on First Class Fatherhood. He is a former Army Ranger of the 2nd Battalion, 75th Regiment. He goes by the name Tonto. He is widely known as a member of the CIA Annex team, which responded to the Benghazi attack back in 2012. The attack in Benghazi became the subject of a lot of scrutiny over the years here. It resulted in the death of four U.S. Americans. There was a book written about it in which Chris Paranto co-authored called 13 Hours in Benghazi. Uh, Chris is also the author of The Ranger Way and Patriot's Creed. He also helped on the movie. There was a major motion picture that was really well done uh, called 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Chris Paranto does a lot of motivational speaking. He is the host of the Battleline podcast. He is the owner of Battleline Tactical. He is the founder of the 14th Hour Foundation. It's really an honor to have him join me here on the podcast today. Chris Paranto will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Tonto was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation uh, between the American hero and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you guys enjoyed today's interview with Chris Paranto, you may want to go back through the archives and check out some of the other dads that I've had on the podcast here who were a member of the CIA Annex team as well, including Mark Oz Geist and John Tig Teagan. Also, some of the actors from the movie 13 Hours in Benghazi stopped by the podcast here, including Max Mortini and Dominic Fumusa. So I encourage you guys to go back and check them all out. Don't forget, right now, it is Black Friday every day until Christmas Day over on MyPillow.com. You can get a four-pack of the MyPillows for half the price. You can get the Giza Dream Sheets for half the price, the full set. They also got hats, scarves, slippers. They got everything over there, over 150 items to choose from. If you use the coupon code FATHERHOOD, you can save up to 66% off on your entire order. Get on over there. Cyber Monday sales, Black Friday sales, whatever you want to call it. It's MyPillow sales from now and until Christmas Day, so don't miss out. They're, they're overstocked on so many items. Take advantage of it. Go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout. Save up to 66% off on your order. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram, at Alec underscore Lace, for all the upcoming guest announcements. If you guys have the opportunity, please help me spread the word about this podcast, every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview right now, straight up with Chris Paranto on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Chris Paranto. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, what's going on, Mike? Thanks for have me sorry i'm just getting done from doing therapy on my knee and give me a little snack so i can <laughs> it's what it is just, just living the dream at home trying to eat when i can and get things done when i can before the kids come home so i i understand that yeah i'm waiting as we're doing this here i gotta go pick them up right after we're done with this so uh, i know a little bit about that i appreciate you taking the time honored to have you on here uh, uh, let's start mine. let's start like this how many kids do you have and how old are they I have three. Uh, well, I say I have three. We have three. I didn't have any of them. My wife had them. So, um, but 
uh, we have seven and 14 and a 17 year old. So, you know, 10 year difference, which pretty awesome. I got some good kids, a lot better kids than I was when I was growing up. My daughter's probably most like, like me though. So she's the pain in the ass of the family besides me. Wait, what do you got? Two boys and a girl? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful kids. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, we got three boys and a girl ourselves on this side. So if you could, Chris, take a second just to hit my listeners, those that don't know a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Uh, well, I, yeah, my name's Chris uh, Peronto. I, I served in the Army for a few years, about eight years, and then I served as a government contractor and did some private contracting work um, for, uh, you know, the U.S. government, various agencies. Um you know, some people out there might know, well, I'm wearing the shirt. Sorry for the selfish promotion. I didn't even realize that. How narcissistic am I wearing my own shirt? But anyway, I was um, uh, portrayed in a movie called 13 Hours a while back. And, and I was part of that CIA a team that responded to the attack there in Benghazi, uh, Libya. And uh, a movie was made of it. Actually, a book very well done. I thought was excellent. Uh, Mitchell Zukov helped us write it, helped the, helped the team write it, which consisted of uh, – uh, three uh, three Marines, two Navy SEALs, and myself uh, from being from Second Range Battalion. Um, lost two of my friends during that evening, and and uh, roamed Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty, and had some several injuries. Uh, and uh, it was publicized very much so in the media at that time. I think it was 2012 was when it happened, but 2015-16 is when the the world found out about what was going on there. What, actually happened there and then a movie was made uh, of it and i thought it was done very well uh, by michael bay and um yeah it's still actually still playing i I just saw it we have internet tv so it's on pluto tv all the time yours which is really cool i I, am and um but other than that you know i'm trying to be the best father i can be you know i I wasn't home a whole bunch so i'm still learning how to be a father because that time period i probably spent more time overseas than i did at home um so, yeah, now uh, what I do now is you're looking at it. I'm home. I'm I'm I try to be the father I can by, you know, helping out around the house. The kitchen's clean. Obviously, that's not my doing. My wife's tremendous. But I help when I can. And, um, you know, it, it, nowadays it's, my life is revolves around, you know, when I'm not out speaking, I do some public speaking from time to time. It's just being home now, trying to catch up on a lot of lost time. So that's that's where I'm at now. Yeah, great stuff, and thank you for your service. And and I've had a couple oh, of your team, I've had a couple of your teammates on from the Benghazi incident. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a sure. second here. But take me back if you could. Then, uh, seventeen years ago, how old were you then when you first became a dad? And uh, how did that change your perspective? And where were you at with your military career when that happened? Wow, yeah, that actually, you know, I just uh, had a picture pop up on my on my feed on my phone, and I actually, I, you know, I, I usually don't do much on social media when I am home, but. It was the birth of my first son. Uh, it was, you know, a 17 year old and Christian. And um, that time, actually, I was in Iraq and I just happened to get home on leave. They sent me back home on emergency leave. I was a contractor for Blackwater at the time, but still we had obligations that we had to stay there. And, and I remember my commander, my uh, commander, I should say team leader, I shouldn't say commander, we were contractors, civilians. He's like, you know, you're, you're due here in a bit. And I said, yeah, my wife's going to be probably having her get here soon and she goes you need to get home and I'll be honest to me I was it was so focused on the mission that was my first trip to Iraq you know and you are when you're there and in 2004 it was 2003 2004 it was pretty crazy it was the wild I say the wild west a lot of us do but and we use that term loosely but it really was and the focus really at that time especially leaving Ranger Battalion and 
leaving the special operations community, joining Blackwater, joining that private military community, which consisted of mainly special operations guys. Really, that focus was there. So I even said, you know, if you guys need me, you know, I'll stay. And he's like, are you, it, he's a lot of, he was older than me, had kids. I hadn't had kids. He goes, are you, are you freaking crazy? <laughs> I said, this is your first kid. You get out of here, go. And he managed to get me a flight home. And I remember I got home and I, I made it home in time. Very, I, I think it was 24 hours. And my wife, yeah, my wife's stronger than I am. So she's, I, I'm not trying to offend any women out there. I'm just saying she's stronger than I am. So I say, I think that my son wanted to come out and she was holding him in. Like, no, you're not coming to your dad gets home. <laughs> and, um, Got home, I actually got to see my son, yeah, born, and it was it was amazing. I still have the picture of, uh, and I still remember when he was born and how I felt. You know, I was like, it was, it was, wow. I, I'm glad I'm home. This is, I, it's a very surreal experience. It is, and and uh, amazing, but also scary a little bit, but also uh, unsure because you don't know. I, I don't know how to be a dad, so I'm. Like, and, but I remember I, I even still have the photo of me picking him up and the nurse came in to, 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 you know, check him out. And he started crying. And I remember my feel, I got protective. I was like, Hold, what are you doing to myself? And she's just doing what she needs to do. And I'm, I remember I'm over there next to her cause he's bawling and I think she's hurting him and I'm starting to get pissed off, <laughs> but she's just doing what she's doing. And I remember I actually held him up while she's, I think she was uh, taking something off his foot from, you know, the birth, I, they had to do something to him. And um, he opened his eyes and it was, I was the first person he saw. And he, I, I have, I was off, I have my Ranger P t-shirt. So it's a second Ranger, it's almost poetic. So the Ranger life is there, but now it's transitioning to being a father. So getting out of being the Ranger to now being the, the lone Ranger <laughs> to now being the father Ranger. And it, it's so cool because I still remember him looking up at me and, and now he's 17 and now he's bigger than I am. He's six foot. He's, he's, he can, no, I can't mess with him anymore, but that little boy and life did change, but it was a process for the next, you know, and it still is a process. I'm still learning how to be a father, but it, I still have amazing experience. And then two weeks later, I'm back in Iraq for seven more months. So I didn't see him again for, for a while. And my wife, and that just is a testament to how strong my wife is. Because she dealt with that. And she dealt with that kind of life for the next 10 years where I'm here home sporadically. Um, and and when I'm home, I'm trying to reacclimate to being home from being overseas. And and then to, you know, it, it, it's it's a testament to her because I tell you what, it, it's difficult to lose a lot of that energy, that adrenaline that you have when you're overseas and try to be, come home and try not to be angry, try not to be excitable, try not to be have anxiety rule the rule you when you're home and those things that you have inside of you like that. I remember it's like a volcano. They're going to come out. And I, you know, I I was, I, I, not that I was, I was abusive, but it, the, the anger like that would come out where now that's the testament of being, learning how to be a father. Now I can, all right, calm down where I couldn't do that. So it was, it was, but again, that was the start of it all right then at that moment. That was still amazing. I'm still, I'm blessed that God allowed me to have that picture. I think it was her mom that took that picture. I still have it. It's, it still touches me every day. 
uh, amazing. And it's one of the re- one of the many reasons why I have so much respect for the men and women that serve in our military, because I can't even begin to imagine the dichotomy that goes involved uh, for the men and women that serve and their spouses who are home supporting them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, God bless you guys for what you do. And, and as I mentioned, I had both Oz and Tig on the show here. Also, uh, I had Max Martini and Dominic Fumusa on the podcast. Oh, did you really? played them. So I, I, I'm familiar with this. I, I enjoyed the book. Uh, I think a little bit. The movie was fantastic. Uh, I think the book gives you a little bit better insight uh, as, as far as yeah, the yeah. Feb 11. And you can kind of understand a little bit more who's who. Uh, but but I, what was the experience like for you? I mean, obviously, you're focused on the firefight and everything going on. But as a father, yeah. being in that kind of battle, were there times where there was a yeah. lull in the action where you're like, yeah. holy cow, I, you know, I might not get home. What is that like as a dad to be you, in a, a conflict you know, like that? As you get older and, that, and, and as I if, if it would happen earlier in my career, earlier when I first went to Iraq, something like that happened, I probably would have handled it a lot differently. I, I probably would have been worried. And, and, I, and I can't say yes or no because I've been through, I, I went through a lot in Iraq and Afghanistan, but Benghazi was a little bit different because there people responded. I always knew somebody was coming if I needed help there. Nobody was. And, and to come to that realization, Earlier in my career, it might have been a, a it might have been where it was like, well, let's give up. You know, I not hope I wouldn't acted like that earlier in my career. I know I didn't act like that later. So it's a blessing that Benghazi happened later because as it did, I was able to focus on what was going on around me. Not that I didn't remember there was a lull in the action. I remember specifically it was between one and three a.m. in Benghazi time. There was a lull. Um, and it was if you watch the movie between that first and second firefight at our place and we're sitting in lawn chairs, me and Boone up there and we're talking, you know, and, and, and I remember thinking about God and have I lived right. And, and you know, and, and am I doing the right things? And I did say if I, you know, as long as I'm doing the right thing, God will take care of me. I, I really do believe that to this day. But I also did think about my family and we didn't put it in the movie, the book. I think we did get in the book because you can put more in a book. You've got time to put it in there. Movies you don't. But I thought back to my family and all I thought was, OK, what was my last conversation? Did I tell my wife and I had two kids at the time, I didn't have a third. I said, did I tell my love to. And I did. And honestly, I was like, OK, I, I don't need to worry now. There's no worry that there's no burden. There's no regret. There's, it's, if I die here and I don't want to, I'm going to fight my ass off. I'm not I don't want to. But if I do, they know I fell. And I, I've actually incorporated that into talks. I do with corporate talks is that what I learned from that and the lesson I learned from that is you never leave the house angry. I don't get, it doesn't have to be war. You just don't walk out of that door ever angry. Last thing you need to say is I love you because God forbid you're ever in a situation that you might, you might not come home or a situation where you're under duress, a lot of stress. You're going to think that what's the last conversation I had. And if it's a good conversation and you left, then they know how you felt you can deal with the situation in front of you. You don't have to worry about that. That's a, that's one less stressor in a situation of stressors that are everywhere that you have to be, they have to be burdened by. And it was awesome because I didn't worry about them the rest of the night. And I was able to focus and finish on doing what we were doing. Incredible. What, 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 when was the first time you had the opportunity to speak to your wife or your kids after the incident? What was that like the first time you got to yeah. see them again when you got home? <laughs> they on the airfield, uh, that's why I did. I thought the movie and we were consultants on 13 hours. So I thought it was so great where you see the scene where John Krasinski's calling home to his wife. We all had that different scene. Now we only show Jack's scene in it, but it really, that was all of us. Mine was the same thing. I was on the phone. We had these burner phones we could use. I called and I said, 
I said, Hey, you, you might going to see something on the, on the TV. What, what happened? I can't talk about it. She knew where I was at. So I didn't need to let her know. I said, don't worry. I'm still alive, but we lost, you know, we lost, we lost two. I didn't say their names on the phone, but I, I, cause I didn't know who was listening cause they were local phones. But I said, we lost two. I'll talk to you again when I can talk to you. And, and, uh, and I don't know I said, I don't know when that will be, but it should be here soon, but I'm safe. And, and y'all, you're not telling a fib, but you're kind of telling a half truth because we hadn't really got out of Benghazi yet, but you don't want to, you know, I'm not, I don't want to worry her. And for all intents and purposes, I did feel safer at that point in time than I did the whole other rest of the morning and night. So it, it was, it, it was, it was trying to hold it together, getting choked up because, you know, we just lost. Tyrone and, and Glenn, and they're still there. I had just looked at the ambassador as well. I had just ID'd his body. So everything's starting to sink in. But yeah, the, the first person I wanted to call was my wife. And that's how it always was. And in the movie, if, you have, if people don't watch their, if you haven't watched it, they do watch it. When you watch the scene from John Krasinski, who played Jack Silver, our SEAL Team 5 buddy, when he called home to his wife, every one of us had that call. So that is pretty much it. And it's, it's hey, I'm all right, but we lost some friends, but I'll, I'll be home soon. And, and, but you keep it succinct and, and short to the point because the phones you're using aren't encrypted and you just don't know who you're using. So even in that situation, you still have to think tactically, but you're trying to be emotional and trying to not worry them, but you're still, it, it is, it, it, your mind is just going 8 million miles an hour and you haven't slept. I, you know, I hadn't slept since two nights prior. So you're just working on vapors, but it still, it still touches me. In fact, the movie came on last night. I still watch it from time to time. And whenever I see that scene, I, I, I do cry. I do. I, I can't, I admit to this day, I still, because I think of Ron, you know, I think of Ron and how I'm home and he's not able to be with his family. And I feel happy. I'm crying because I'm sad, but also I'm very happy that I'm, I was given the opportunity to get out of there and be sitting here. So it's hard, wow. bro. But that, and that, that, that scene is perfect. I, I still love it. And I know I'm going rambling on about it, but it's because I'm, as we're talking, I'm still even remembering sitting on the tarmac, calling my calling my wife, and just still taking in everything that's around me. I still get chills talking. Wow, about it. wow. unbelievable! And obviously, the movie you're talking about, Thirteen Hours, Secret yes. Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, the Michael Bay film. Uh, and uh, obviously, if you haven't seen it, I encourage everybody to go check it out. And I think uh, your guy there, Pablo, really stole the show. I mean, he was <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. I don't know if he's a father. If he is, I got to get him on the show here. But <laughs> I. I you do, but if you've had Dominic and Max, you got to get Pablo. Pablo actually, Pablo is a great father. He he would come by when the movie was going on. We haven't talked in a while, but I, I still consider us friends, and he, I think he would do the same. Um, but he has two two sons, and they would come when we lived in Omaha. They would come in and they would stop by, and they would he could he never wanted to stay. He's still he's still a Canadian granola eater. I'm sorry, Pablo, but you are. So he always wants to stay his camper in our front driveway, which is fine with his kids. But him and his kids and my kids at the time, you know, him and my oldest son is 17. At that time, he was 11 or 12. He has a son that's similar age. They would play the Battle of Benghazi around the house. So, yeah, he would be a tremendous, tremendous person to have on, a great father. And my experiences with him, uh, we are still friends. I would still consider us friends. And I still admire the heck out of him. And he did. did he, he, he did it, knocked it out of the park. I thought he did excellent, portrayed me perfectly i was very happy with all yeah he, he crushed it for sure and obviously your little ones are too little but has your has your 17 year old son has he seen the film have you watched it with yeah. him what's his kind of take on everything <laughs> and what are his questions that he has for you when he watches it 
You know, not anymore. I, I think when it came out, the, the big premiere was at Cowboy Stadium. It was an awesome premiere. I, I, I think that, you know, I 30, 40,000 people, people, right? Yeah, it was tremendous. I, you know, and, and of course, because of the subject matter and because we were so damn politicized in this world, a lot of people didn't know, even though it was on ET and, and we had a, it was a lot of exposure. I still think it wasn't pushed out to people that probably need to see it. But that being said, the experience there was amazing. And why I'm talking about that is because my son, yeah, he was 17 now. Help me out. It's, it's, he was 10, 11 at the time. He's watching it. He knows his dad. He knows what I'm doing. He doesn't know, but he knows. He knows I'm always gone. He knows that I'm fighting somewhere. He's he's not oblivious to it all. There's a scene in the movie, and I I know this is a father podcast, but I'm going to tell you, Dan, because I thought it was hilarious, where we talk about me chubbing stuff. It's a ranger thing. I I chubbed this guy. When that scene came on, my son, I remember I was sitting here. He's sitting just with his couple of his friends, my, with his nephew that came, my family, my, my, my sister's son, and, and some of the other family members, kids are up there. And when he said, I remember he looked back at me and he smiled because he's like, yep, that's my dad. And, you know, as much as I like, as much as he likes to, I think, doesn't he doesn't want me to think that he cares about it all. He does his uniforms that he wears. They all have the number 13 on them, which makes me so proud. I was like the first time I saw him play. I was like, wow, he's wearing 13. He, he, he knows. I don't need to say anything. He knows what's happening and he knows what's going on. And and but that at that movie where he turned around and gave me a smirk when Pablo was talking about me chubbing things. I knew he got it. And I would say that was that that did touch me. <laughs> it was funny. It made me proud to be his father for the even for something ridiculous because I knew he paid attention even though he may not give the impression that he's caring he he, he does and of course I he, tremendous he does now of course tremendous. I know I know you said or Pablo said in the movie there you ha- had to take a crap since the beginning of this thing was that true does that was that really what happened <laughs> Yeah I had, I had a turtle head poking out from about midnight to five thirty and um yeah I did and uh, I couldn't believe they put it in the movie I, I mean it was in the book but. Yeah, actually, it, it was. I, I I still getting, remember getting pissed off because all the Delta guys came in. Bub's team came in. I was calling on the radio. Hey, I need guys. Somebody needs to come up here. I need to take a take a dump. I need I and nobody would come relieve me. And finally, Boone, he's on building C. I'm on A at the time. He just yells at me. He goes, dude, I got your sector. Go take a crap. And I was the fastest crap. I, we didn't put that in the movie. It's fine. I think it's in the book a little bit. I didn't go to too much detail. But I will. I'll give it to you. I shimmied down that ladder. I ran in there. I dropped trout, didn't wipe a thing, came back up, and I had an itchy butt for the rest of the, the rest Man. of the life. But my son know, you know that's what's funny is my son and my daughter know that. And they laugh. I mean, they they like, oh dad, you're so gross. But that's what makes it cool about being a dad. It's like it, yeah, they're they're laughing at me. They're, they're being how kids should be. They they're like, Dad, you're disgusting. But they know that that's me and that makes that makes me feel like at least I'm, they know their dad, and at least I know them. And I'm it makes it makes you realistic too, Chris, because it's like yeah. some of the things we don't think about in war or in battle. We don't think about these are things that actually happen, you know. So it's so realistic yeah. that, that that is the case, you know. It's human. It gives perspective, and it tells people, "Hey, guys that are in war, we're not any different than anybody else. We crap, we get itchy butts, we we talk a lot of junk during, you know. It's, 
we're nothing special at all. We go through the same bodily functions that everybody does, even during combat. <laughs> well, I want I want to I want to change course here just a little bit, just because as we're sure. recording this uh, today, there was a shooting at the University of Virginia. A uh, football player shot and killed three other football. They locked the college down. We're seeing wow. more and more of this. Yeah, so it was another one of these shooting drills that's, that, that happened. Yeah. They, they locked the school down the whole bit. And it's one of parents' biggest concerns, even at the high school level, at the college yeah. level. I just wanted to kind of get what advice you have for parents that are sending their kids to school if something like this happens. How can they keep themselves protected uh, and safe on campus, uh, you know, w- sure. in the world we live in today? Well, I, I, I think we're, we're I think when and this isn't my line, it's it's from another movie. But I think when we when Sir and Ma'am left the country or we quit telling kids to say Sir and Ma'am, uh, I think the rest is soon to follow after that. And then obviously we're seeing that now we took integrity. We took moral morals out of schools. We took the prayer out. We took, you know, like, uh, the, the ability for parents to discipline you know, and, and I do feel that has a lot to do with what's going on. I know people want to say it's the guns, the gun. It's guys. I, I, I've been around guns forever. And the last thing I'm going to do is go in there and shoot anybody up. It's the mental state and it's the lack of, uh, it's the lack of values we have nowadays. Um, and with that sort of thing there, I, what can parents do? Well, teach your kids values, show them discipline, social media, we quit saying that. I, you know, I, I'd be shocked. I don't know what happened there, but every shooting prior to that, I wouldn't. I put money on it here that there was probably some social media manifesto post or something that had to do with social media before he did it. And I think social media has not. Granted, granted, this we're doing it here, so I'm being a hypocrite a bit. But I do think social media has a huge part of of these shootings because there's always some play in it. And social media has put the place of. Parenthood has actually taken that place and it's taken the place of faith and, and, and religion. And I, I do think that is a big part of it, too. We've got to instill religion back in the family. We've got to instill just the family, core family values. That's simple. I know it sounds so, but it is that simple. And parenthood, teaching kids right or wrong and bringing it doesn't you don't have to. I, I was a kid. So I didn't like my parents shoved God down my throat, but. They did it. They did it. they did it, but they did it to a point also where they finally laid off as I got older. But I still knew what it was. I knew what commandments were. I knew what right or wrong was. And we still have to have more of that. And the ability to talk about God here. I think that needs to be there with the kids as well. My kids have gone to, to Christian schools, so they do know that. And also they know that they do know what God is. Uh, they do know what the commandments are. They do know right or wrong. And that is where it starts, in my opinion. It's it's the installation of not just the core family values, but religion as well. And the commandments, Hey, this is right or wrong. And then being that parent that listens, being that parent, that's part, it's simple stuff we've heard forever. I know you've got, you've probably talked about forever too on your show out being present. <laughs> that helps being interested in what's going on in your kid's life. Um, that's just being a present parent and also being there to pick them up when they fall down, but also, Tell them that they can pick themselves up as well, that they're going to have to deal with obstacles and not not enabling kids where you're doing everything for them, where they don't have to solve their own problems. So uh, it's it, it's easier said than help. You know, it's easier said than done. And I'm still learning. it. But I think my kids and they're around guns a lot because of I me. Mean, they are. They've learned how to shoot. They've taken the range. They know safety. But just the warmth of this is just this is nothing, but we're going out and shoot. This is for protection, nothing else. And I do believe they've got it in their head that they know it. 
This is not something that I'm going to use if I'm angry. This is not something I'm going to use to get somebody back if they need, to, if I'm angry with somebody else. It's, it's, it's just, this is what dad is used to protect people. This is what I would use if, if I need to protect my family. Um, this is what we use when we go shoot together and we have a good time and we smile, but it's not a tool for retribution. And that's what needs to be taught. But I think that starts with the Bible. And again, it starts with just being a good father and a good, good parent and having a good, good spouse with you that teaches the same thing that, you know, God's there. God's got you. God's the commandments. Learn those, live by them. And then if you have issues, you know, be there so you can come talk to me. Let's talk them out. And then just don't let anger and hate take over. And we don't have with taking religion and all that out and the family core values, hate has nowhere to go anymore. We can't just try to deal with that as a family or read a passage of the Bible and understand where, what we're feeling. It's let's just take it out on somebody else and let's use the worst thing we can. And let's go, let's go kill the person. No, that's we've, we've lost it there and we're going to have to figure out a way back. And the only way to do that is with family and religion. Those are it. And, and, you know, not not only is it that our heavenly father has been removed from society, but the father's been removed from the home. I harp on this show all the time. We got a fatherless crisis. And this kid that did the shooting uh, today is another kid who grew up without a father in the home. And it's always a recurring pattern that these guys that have no dad, they become very violent. Most of these guys that are locked up behind bars, 85 percent of the youth in our country are we're filling up our prisons with fatherless kids. And when they don't have that direction and they don't find it in the military, they don't find it in a coach. Yeah. And they find it in the street, man. I mean, it is wreaking havoc on our society. Yes, sir. And that's that's why, again, I say be present. When I say be present, that's what I mean. And, you know, I my my wife and I were divorced during that whole bit. After the after the movie came. I mean, I was terrible. I was terrible father. I, I, in my opinion, in comparison to what I am now or even what I was prior, I was a terrible husband. And that was one of my worries was where how is this going to affect my kids? And of course, you know, I'm affecting my, my wife and making our, our life terrible because of how I'm acting. Eventually, I got my crap together when a ranger buddy said, hey, get your crap together. I need that tough love. And I'm glad I did because I, I do think that the possibility or that path we have passed to use could have went the wrong way with especially my oldest if I didn't fix myself. Now, he wouldn't do anything wrong. He was being a kid, but not having a father present to guide and do things, you know, doing the good things a father should do. I think you're right. It can lead that. And it does all the time. You'll see that 99% of the time that that child will be angry and they don't have a way to figure out how to release that anger. So they go the way of the gun, let's say, you know, I I, I saw that happening with myself, dude, and my family. I'm, I'm glad God kicked me in the butt and my wife's an angel. Glad she took me back (laughs) and we reconciled and, and, you know, I, I could see the complete difference between my oldest and even my middle child when now I'm home all the time. Just you can just tell it's, it's happier. It's it's better. It's it is. And the kids are the grades are better. The kids are except for my daughter, who's like me. They don't talk back as much. But that's just my daughter. She's got that in. Me. I, what can you do? So, yeah, yes, right. I do. I do agree with you, brother. I do totally agree. So important, Chris. And obviously, your uh, speaking career has taken off. You do a lot of motivational speaking. You're involved in a lot of different uh, projects. What are you you working on right now? What's coming up next for you, for Chris Peranto? Oh, no, I'm done. I did did eight eight speaking, corporate speaking events in the last six weeks. And and that was my push. And and that's what I do. I'm one of those guys that 
let's get it all done. Let's get it all done so I can take a lot of time off. And that's what I did. I'm home. My my thing now is, you know, I, I have one course here. I do teach some fire. I do teach firearms and tactics. Uh, I have one course here in Kansas here in December, but it's local. So I don't really feel like I'm working because I get to come home at night. Um, but brother, I'm home. This is you're looking at. It. I'm home. I'm being father. I'm playing DS with my son like I did on Smash Brothers last night. Got kicked by my butt by my seven year old, and and then being present for my seventeen year old. And which again, that daddy, he's got my truck, so I can't go anywhere because you know, hey, here's son. <laughs> I'm being a dad more than anything. My daughter just giving her hugs and and me and her because she's like me. We're just bantering back and forth, and and I'm just happy to be home. So that's that's the plan for the rest of the year is just to be finally be home again and take that much needed break and and that I need so I can get recharged but also I, I'm hoping it helps my family which I, I know it does um, and just loving to be at home and be a father and a spouse again a husband again for the next well till next year and then 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 I, I don't travel as much anymore because I, I want to be home I miss so much time but it'll pick up again in January but nothing like it used to be I'm home a lot more, which is where I want to be. Awesome. And, and, you know, you touched on it a lot while we were talking here, but the last thing I want to hit you with, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? You know, I, first of all, be present. Like I say, well, always be present, be at the birth. Don't be like a jackass like me, excuse my line, but you yeah, say, Oh, I don't need to be there. Yeah, I'd be there. You, you, you'll, you, you will regret it. If you're not, you remember for the rest of your life. But then also, we're going to make mistakes. We are. We're learning just as our children are learning. This thing is just be patient. I wish I had more patience back then. I wish I was able to be patient like I am now where I could take a breath. So when you're getting angry, you feel that thing, feel the emotions boiling up, take a breath and and then address whatever situation there is out there that you have to address and discipline wise and still discipline. But the other thing, too, is just play. I regret not playing as much as I used to. If that football game's on and you want to watch that game and your son wants to go play, turn it off, go play. Because now when you're 51, like myself, I'm like, I wish I would have done that more. So like yesterday, when the Cowboys were playing and I wanted to watch the Cowboys play, my son says, Daddy, let's go play Smash Brothers. Cowboys are off. We're going to play Smash Brothers. And I'm glad I did because I had a heck of a lot more fun playing Smash Brothers than yeah, Cowboys lost. So obviously, I had a lot more fun. But that is a huge thing is playing with your kids and and just asking to play with them. Even when they say no, Dad, I really, especially in the iPad age, say no. Just ask just so they know that you want to be with them and fix dinner and, you know, and also do laundry with them and help with the homework. And this is Christmas time. So what am I doing with my little my seven year old right now? We're doing our Chris, our Santa's list. I love doing that. Oh man, what do you want for Santa? And we're, that is so much fun. Just do those little things that we, I think a lot of us that don't deploy take for granted, but from somebody that missed a ton of it, don't, because I'm looking back on it now going, man, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have, I would, and it's not a regret, but it's just, I wish I would have had that memory and I got a lot of great memories of me overseas, but dang it, I wish I could have had my cake and eat it too. And I wish I would have had some more of that. Don't not do those little things because when you get older, you're going to think back and those one things that you did do, they're going to warm your heart. And so when you're having a bad day, you're like, man, I, I remember when we went to the zoo and we were feeding those elephants together. That makes me feel good. I'm glad I did that. And that's, that's the things that I remember now. 
Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say, Chris Peranto, you're a first-class father ah. all the way. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Hey, Alex, anytime, brother. You just let me know. God bless you. Have a wonderful holiday season, my friend. Good Christmas, too. You do the same. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.